my parents are really supportive. I know that's not the case for a lot of people, especially like, you know, with Asian parents, I think there's like a stereotype or not even stereotype because it is kind of true. I just feel so fortunate that like my parents just want me to do something that makes me feel fulfilled. Mm. I wouldn't say that it's always been this way. Like there was definitely times in elementary school where I feel like, you know, I was pressured to pursue a certain path that I wasn't interested in. But I think over the years, especially as my parents saw me struggle with like different mental health challenges. And also like, I think something that I've learned and something that a lot of people learn at this age is that your parents are people too. Yep. So they're growing over the years. They're growing and learning like what it is that you know, how they want to support their child. So yeah, I've been very fortunate that my parents are supportive of my content creation journey and my dad as well. Like he has, he does the same as my mom. Like he's always like hyping me up and I'm really, I'm really, really appreciative of that. Okay, awesome. So Maylee, welcome to the Creators Canvas. Thank you so much for hopping on. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So, you know, kind of the, the first thing I wanted to talk about, you know, when I was kind of doing some you know research on you is uh, you've been a content creator for quite a while, you know, like a TikTok, I think since 2020, you posted your first YouTube video like uh, six years ago, like I'm guessing in 2020 or uh, tw uh, 2017. So what does the kind of inception story of like you as a content creator kind of look like? Like, is it like YouTube? Is it TikTok? Like, how did you think about all of that? Yeah, well, wow, I'm impressed you did your research. I honestly don't even remember when I first posted that like first YouTube video. Because honestly, I I think I was like in high school and I just like was really into fashion and beauty. So I just posted like some mm. random like, makeup tutorial or like maybe, I don't know, like some fashion haul or something. Yeah. But never like never like anything that serious or anything uh, like, you know, just playing around with like a camera or something. But yeah, that was kind of, I, I grew up watching YouTube um, and yeah. when TikTok first started, uh, I originally like, got onto TikTok. I feel like everyone has the same origin story kind of like during the pandemic, we were all set at home. We had a lot of extra yeah. time. So that's when I started my TikTok and then just started posting like different videos, mostly like fashion and beauty and lifestyle, um, a lot of college content as well. That's when I'm more focused on content creation, kind of, I guess you could say the inception story. Like, yes, I started my YouTube channel six years ago or however many years ago it was, but I really started posting more on that channel when I came to college. I'm a student at UCLA, and my freshman year, I realized, like, like as I was heading into UCLA, I realized there wasn't a ton of videos about the UCLA experience or, like, dorm tours or, like, dining hall tours, and I thought that that would be really helpful because me as a college student yeah. or, like, someone coming into college, I was like, oh, I would love to see that. So once I actually came to college, I was like, you know, I want to document this for that. But also like for my own memories, I didn't really expect anyone to ever watch them. But yeah, I was set home for COVID during my spring of my freshman year. That was when COVID hit and everyone went back home. So during that time was when I really like got all that footage that I'd been recording and I edited it, put it up on my channel and made more like informational videos about UCLA, my college experience. And then that's when I started TikTok as well. And I would say it was during my sophomore year is when I really started putting like more time and energy towards that. That's also when I started working mm. with different brands um, and having the opportunity to work with brands really opened my eyes up to the digital marketing field and experience, um, social media marketing. And I just realized like it's something I really love doing. I really f loved finding a way to connect with other people like on social mm. media, but also when people would tell me like, oh, your videos really helped me. Like I was looking for like a dorm tour video or something, especially with, 
my YouTube channel, I had a lot of people from that year, like the year that I was a sophomore or junior, yeah. coming students, I would say like, oh, I wasn't able to do a college tour because of COVID, like all the college tours weren't available. Like oh, your videos really helped. And that just made me like so happy to hear that like something that I wanted to see when I was younger was able to help someone else. So yeah, um, that's kind of, I guess you could say the inception story, but over the years, like over time, especially this past year, I would say I shifted my focus more towards TikTok just because I enjoy like the short form, like vertical style videos. Don't get me wrong, I still love posting on YouTube, but I would say there's very different kind of like interests you have to have because they are two very different platforms. Like with YouTube, there's a lot more, or for me at least, like for YouTube, there's a lot more editing that goes into it. You know, it's more long form content. TikTok is short form. You have to be like kind of engaging every second and make sure that like every second is like worth someone's attention span. Whereas like YouTube, you can be more kind of like go with the flow and, you know, like spend more time with editing. So yeah, this past year, I've been really fortunate to work with brands that I really love and just focus more on that short form style content. But I would say that that's a simplest story. Yeah, that's incredible. And it was so funny because, you know, when I was like researching through your TikTok, I loved kind of like the the evolution of, you know, the content that you created started. Because in the beginning, to your point, I think a lot of people kind of started during the pandemic when things are locked down. And the content that people would make during that time, you can tell it was like so wholesome because you can tell it was just for them. You know, they're like, nobody's going to watch this. And um, it's interesting to see like our content evolve, like as we, you know, want to kind of connect with our audience and like, you know, grow our brand. And so you mentioned a couple of things that you like about being a content creator is, you know, connecting with people and seeing the impact that you can have on your audience. So as you are about to graduate college, how are you thinking about your content and still being able to connect with people and impact them in a positive way? Yeah, definitely. Um, Since a lot of my content is college focused, or I wouldn't say a lot, I've definitely shifted like over the past couple Mm -hmm. of years, but it originally started with that. I would say just... You know, I don't know exactly where, I can't say like what the next year will look yeah. like. I, I wish, you know, I could look to a crystal ball and like know what my future would be like, especially me as like an anxious planner <laughs> that would soothe my anxiety so much. But, yeah. um, you know, I think wherever life takes me, mm. I'm eager to document that, like not just for like my TikTok or something like that, but also just like for my own memories. It's really fun for me to look back at the videos that I've posted and be like, wow, that was me like a year ago. Like, I've grown so much or I look the same or something like that, you know, just having like ways to reflect on how I've grown. (coughs) Sorry. There's like something stuck. You're good. You're good. But yeah, I would just say I'm just going to stay true to myself and be authentic. Mm. So wherever life takes me, I'm eager to capture that and share my lessons and what I learn along the way with my audience so that, you know, if I make a mistake, hopefully other people don't have to experience the same mistake as well. Mm, and yeah, I think what you're kind of describing is, you know, kind of the, the the beauty of the internet, you know, because people can document the mistakes that they've went through so other people can learn from them. And, you know, one of the interesting things you just talked about is, you know, maintaining that authenticity, you know, and being able to A, make the content that you want to make and B, you know, work with brands that you enjoy working with. And, you know, that really resonates because I know for me, um, I'm still kind of young as a content creator. I I literally just started last year in August and things like really took off for me like in December. And so it was just like this huge 
avalanche of like, you know, brand work as I'm sure like you can understand. And there was a certain point in time where I got burnt out and then I was reflecting on that. Okay. So why did I get burnt out? And I realized it was because I was working with brands that didn't resonate with me. So then I was then creating content that I didn't uh, think was, you know, authentic to like what I want to do. Do you have any experience like that? Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, I, I wouldn't say like, you know, I've been in this a long time, but it's it's been a few years and I definitely relate to you on what you mean by like burnout. I think that I would say I've been, I, it's still something I'm navigating every day, mm-hmm. but there are periods of time where, you know, if there's like a certain trend or something, you'll like want to just like hop on the trend and like use that trending sound or like post, yes. you know, trending videos or something. And especially when I first started on TikTok, like everyone was posting the same sort of videos Mm -hmm. and yeah, they were fun to make, but it wasn't something that like really brought me joy or made me feel like fulfilled in any Mm -hmm. way. So with those, you do really easily get burnt out. And so that was when I first realized like, if I want to like actually pursue this, like not just like make these videos for fun, like don't get me wrong, it's fun to make videos, but like if it's something that you want to pursue, uh, it's really important to find something that you're passionate about because that's where your own internal motivation comes mm-hmm. from. So yeah, like, but I definitely relate with what you said about burnout. Like throughout the past few years, there have definitely been periods of time where I'm like, you know, burnt out because I'm constantly thinking about like, okay, what can I make next? Yes. What can I post next? And like coming up with ideas. I think a lot of people underestimate like how much goes behind like goes on behind the camera like you see yeah you see like 60 seconds of a video that it looks like someone just turned on their camera and just like filmed it and put it up and sometimes it is like that like sometimes it's just a quick thought that I have in my mind I'm like oh that's funny I want to share that or something but there are some videos that I make that spend I spend hours editing whether that's for TikTok or for YouTube especially YouTube that takes so much time to edit or if it's like a brand collaboration video, like there's a lot of time and thought and energy that goes into that. So if you don't take time for yourself and do self-care, like it is easy to get burnt out. But something especially that I've realized more recently Mm. is that it's really important to have something that you enjoy for yourself off camera. Mm. And what I mean by that is I feel like as a content creator, it's really easy to think about like, oh, I'm going to do, I'm doing this. I want to share it with my audience and like share everything that you're doing with your audience at all times. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that quite makes sense, it does. but if I'm like at the store or something, I'm like, oh, maybe I should do like a come shop with me or something. Or if I'm like getting ready to like go to an event or something, I'm like, oh, maybe I should film like a get ready with me or like a makeup tutorial mm-hmm. or something. And it's so easy to find that like, every piece of your life is content like i don't know make content out of anything which has its pros and cons pros because you know everyone gets ready in the morning it's relatable Mm. it's something that people can be like oh i see myself in that or something or like oh i want to you know it feels authentic that you can go grocery shopping with someone online like follow someone along for their day but at the same time it will make you as a creator burnt out if like you don't have anything to yourself Mm. that you're just experiencing and living for yourself so yeah i've just found like over the past year something that i've really learned is like not everything i do needs to be filmed or like not everything i do needs to be content like i can just do things for myself and never post it on the internet and like it seems so i don't know like silly to say but i feel like as a content creator and like 
as the digital media era has really grown, like people are posting their entire lives online. And so it's really easy to get caught up in like, should I be doing that? Or like, oh, I need to post something. I haven't posted something today. Like, you know, this is my job. Like I need to like post something to stay active, but it's really important to take time for yourself. So for me, what that looks like is reading. Like I read a lot in my free time and I don't really talk about it online. Like sometimes I do, but most of the time I don't like talk about all the books I read and that's just something for me to enjoy. Another thing I've been really into recently is coloring. Like there was a period of time where I was like, oh, maybe I should make videos about like, all these like things that I've been like really into like art wise, but I'm like, no, I'm not gonna cause that's just for me. Mm. And like, maybe I will someday, but it's just something I like to enjoy doing my free time and kind of take my mind away from screens and just put it into my own self for like self care and like, you know, a touch grass moment. <laughs> yeah. I think touch of grass is a, a great analogy for that. And mainly I, I think it's great because you have found something that a lot of content creators struggle with, which is like finding that healthy outlet to then deal with that burnout. Because I think it's so easy to fall into kind of the traps of like unhealthy outlets that then, you know, don't serve us and help us long-term. And so one of the things you talked about was, you know, putting ourselves, you know, on screen. And I think something that goes hand in hand with that is vulnerability. So for you, was that something that always came pretty naturally to you? Or how did you kind of go about that process? Because, you know, from some of the videos I watched, some of them got pretty deep, you know, especially some of the uh, AI, AAPI videos. Yeah, like I would say you asked, like, have I always been like that? I honestly wouldn't say so. Like I grew up a very shy child, like when I was mm. a lot younger. And like you said, like I am Asian. Um, so coming from like an Asian background, like the culture is very much more like you keep to yourself. You don't really like talk about the problems that or like mental health experiences that you're having so yeah growing up like my family like we never really talked about like mental health or like shared our emotions or anything like that and that brought that like went into like my like middle school and high school years i was never really like that open with like my friends or anything mm. or just like talk that much like i definitely like grew into myself and like i gained con confidence over the years but i would say that it wasn't really until like high school college that i really was able to like find my voice and I guess um, in a way like I guess it was when I understood like what things I was passionate mm. about or like passionate about advocating for so for me in my case like I've really found the value of like mental health awareness and speaking about like my AAPI Asian American experience and, like growing up Asian American so that's those two things are especially things that I'm passionate about and once I developed those and like found that that was something that I want to use my platform to talk about, I was able to grow more vulnerable. Mm. And like over the years, like as I started talking about my experience, I realized like a lot of people resonated with similar things and that you're not alone in the experiences that you have. And a lot of like the childhood hardships that I had growing up in with an Asian background or growing up with mental health challenges, I realized that those things are, aren't unique to me, but also those things are what have helped me grow and make me stronger person mm. and ultimately like develop a thick skin and become the person I am today. So even though those challenges are really difficult, it's what has brought me the confidence and ability to be vulnerable with others. Yeah, beautifully said. And I'm Asian, by the way, too. So I, I resonated a lot with what you talked about. So like even in your YouTube video, you know, one of the experiences you mentioned was 
your parents cooking you a meal and then classmates yeah. making fun of you for yes. yeah definitely that happened to me as well and even some funnier aspects that you talk about is like I didn't know that we as like Asians don't have a gene that make us smell when we sweat because that's something that's something I always like I don't know if I gaslit myself about but I was like man I never have to wear deodorant but I feel no, weird if I, and, and every anytime I tell someone that they're like what that's gross they would be like are you serious I'm like no like I think I don't need to and they're like dude it's impossible but I so I didn't know it's like a gene thing which is funny um and then also the the calf story with you and your dad oh is great as well <laughs> yeah there are so many things I didn't realize that were like a shared experience, but also like, mm. like I said, like the lunch story, I think a lot of Asian Americans can relate to that or not just Asian Americans, but like people of different backgrounds and like cultures. a lot of people, I realized like after I shared my story, like a lot of people would say like, Oh, I had that same experience. And you know, it's so nice to, it's so refreshing to hear like that you aren't alone, but yeah. And then the, the gene one for anyone who's listening and wants some context about what we're talking about. So basically, I don't remember what it was, but I think someone commented or I heard somewhere that there's some gene that like a gene, like biological gene, not genes like wearing pants genes. There's a biological gene or something in the Asian somewhere along the way that doesn't make you smell or doesn't make you sweat or smell like so you don't have to wear deodorant. And I don't know if that's for all Asians because I've heard some of my Asian friends say like, that is not true for me. <laughs> but um, like for me personally, like, I mean that like they said like that's not true for them. But like for me personally, I like, I remember in middle school when we would be changing for PE class or something in the locker room and like everyone would be like pulling out their deodorant and I'm like, wait, I, do I need to buy that? And I'd be like, but like, I don't think I smell. And then I'd ask my friends, like, do I smell? Like, do I need to be wearing deodorant? And they're like, no, girl, you don't smell at all. I'm like, <laughs> but everyone else is wearing deodorant. Like, I know it's like such like a small story, but I realized like, oh, there's some like unique experiences that are like for Asians that I guess not everyone relates to. So yeah, I shared that on my TikTok and I was talking about it. And so many people commented like, oh my gosh, I had no idea this was a genetic thing. Like I so relate to this. And I was like, well, the more you know. Yeah, literally. And I think with those type of videos, one of my favorite comments that you see a lot is people are like, how is it that we all live the same life? Because sometimes like when you watch these videos, you're like, what the f Like, did we all live? Is this a simulation? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, going back to, you know, kind of the vulnerability in some of the content that you've made mainly, is there a specific story of, you know, someone in your audience that really resonated with that, that like reached out to you about like kind of the impact that you had or like of you sharing that had on them? So like, I know you talked about the UCLA tour one and I was curious um, with this type of content, if how that was kind of how that feedback was. Um, I have had people reach out about like the lunch story. Um, mm. So like context for someone who's like listening, if they're kind of confused what we're talking about. Like, I think a lot of Asian Americans or not just Asian Americans, but people of different backgrounds. For me, how it kind of transpired was when I was in elementary school, my mom, looking back, I'm so thankful and grateful for this. Like my mom would wake up early. She would make authentic Japanese meals. Um, so my mom is Japanese, my dad's Chinese, but my mom would cook these really nice meals for me for lunch, put them in like a bento box, put so much time, tender love and care. And I would open it up during lunch and be so embarrassed because all my friends were eating like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And like, here I was with my really like weird looking food that no one really knew what it was and maybe like smelled weird to them so i would like not eat it or i would like 
like dump it or even throw it away. Like looking back, I am so sad thinking that I would do that. But that's what I did for so, so many days. So like I would say like even like months, years in elementary school, I would go home and like be like crying and tell my mom, don't ever pack this for me. Like I only want sandwiches from now on or like Lunchables or just like things that like my friends would bring. So yeah, like I opened up about that story and a lot of people did reach out to me and said like, I'm so glad that you shared that because that is something that I also experienced and it's nice to know that, you know, they weren't the only ones. So yeah, I guess like in a way, it just like feels like you have that shared experience and like you can build community and just know that you're not alone. Because I think also with that, I do have so much guilt looking back, like why, why did I do that? And I was such a terrible daughter, but not in a way that I'm like, trying to how do I put this like it's just like nice to know that I wasn't the only one that felt that way and that um like I can look back and grow from that and learn from that and use and share my experience so that other people maybe if there's like a younger person watching that that is currently going through that that they can know like oh I don't I don't have to feel this way like one day I'll grow up and wish that my mom could like make me these lunches because here I am now as a college student. I'm like, oh, I like miss those days. But yeah. So Maylee, you know, one theme I'm pulling out from a lot of what we've talked about so far is how important it is for you to, you know, have an impact on people. And, you know, whether that's from sharing your mistakes so other people can learn or anything of the sort. So why is that so important to you? Oh, good question. I mean, I would just say I've always been like a very empathetic person. Mm. Um, I have always been, I guess, like that person that I like, I love sharing my experiences so that other people can feel like they can resonate with someone because I feel like there were so many times growing up that I felt alone in my experiences, especially when it came to like mental health, because that is something I really struggled with growing up and something that I do still struggle with. Like it's an everyday ongoing battle, but there were so many times I felt alone in my experiences and I just wish that there was someone I could look to that Mm. has overcome something and like has, is like on the other side, someone I could look to towards Um, to be like, you know, this is temporary. This isn't going to last forever. So no matter what it is, even if it's something serious, like my Asian American experience or something funny, lighthearted, I just want to feel like people can have that kind of like maybe big sister personality that they can look to Mm. like in terms of content or even just like if I'm younger than you, like someone that could just like bring a smile to your day and, you know, give you some comedic relief from something that's bothering you. I guess I would just say like, like, why not? Like, I I love like making other people smile. And that's something that makes me smile. So it it brings me joy knowing that I can be of even a little help to someone. Yeah. And I I think that really shows a lot about your character. You know, it sounds like a lot of it came from a place of filling, you know, what you wish you had when you're younger. And I think the beautiful thing about what you said is making sure that doing your best to making sure that people don't experience the same thing, you know, which I think is a a beautiful and noble mission in itself. You know, one thing you touched upon earlier, mainly that I really like is you are proud of the challenges that you faced in life because you know that those are what created you into the person that you are today. And I think it's so interesting because if I reflect a little bit on adversity, 
the one benefit that you have that someone who didn't go through what you went through doesn't have is you have the ability to speak to people who had the same experience you did. You know, so for that young boy or girl who is struggling with mental health right now, you are an example of someone who experienced that and overcame that. So then you can serve as, you know, inspiration, you know, for, you know, anyone going through that. So I think that's really cool. Thank you. I mean, like you're speaking to like, I, I really admire what you're doing as well. Like creating this podcast and just like creating content that other people can like look to towards advice. Like the things that you, you're really hyping me up, but like, you're really speaking about like what you're saying is like exactly what you're doing as well. And I'm sure that like anyone would appreciate like listening to the advice that you have to give or like the creators that you're like having on. Um, it just like gives people an outlet to see like, you know, there's so many different experiences that like they can learn from. So, I mean, I really appreciate everything you're saying, but you're really hyping me up. Like, I hope you <laughs> That you're doing a lot of work as well. Yeah, yeah, tr trying to, trying to. I think with being like kind of like a newer content creator, like it's so interesting to kind of think about like what I think is like my greater purposes in life and then like creating content that like intersects that, you know, so that has been such kind of like a, a beautiful journey so far. So uh, I appreciate that, Maylee. Thank you. So uh, another thing I wanted to talk about is how has support been for you um, on your journey as a content creator and especially you know thinking about having Asian parents uh, that's always like a question in itself yeah I would say in terms of like my parents my parents I am so lucky that they are so supportive my mom is like literally so about like a couple years ago or like a year ago I made my mom get a TikTok because <laughs> I wanted able to not not so that she could watch my videos so that I could send her other people's videos like <laughs> if I saw something really cute or if like I saw a recipe or something yeah. or like a dog video I want to be able to share to her easily through the TikTok app instead of like yes. having to text it to her and then she has to open it like on a browser <laughs> I'm like well I'm gonna TikTok so we can like share these yeah um but then eventually she like started following my videos and now my mom is like the first person to watch any of my videos <laughs> Honestly, like the first life is like my mom and I'm like oh I like I'm I just like I'm so lucky and fortunate that my parents are really supportive I know that's not the case for a lot of people especially like you know with Asian parents I think there's like a stereotype or not even stereotype because it is kind of true like a lot of Asian parents want their kids to be a doctor or a, or a lawyer or like some really high paying like high achieving job mm -hmm. um, but I just feel so fortunate that like my parents just want me to do something that makes me feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that it's always been this way. Like there was definitely times in elementary school where I feel like, you know, I was pressured to pursue a certain path that I wasn't interested in. But I think over the years, especially as my parents saw me struggle with like different mental health challenges and saw that my, I guess like interests weren't exactly what they wanted like maybe if it was medicine or law or whatever it is mm -hmm. like they realized and also like I think something that I've learned and something that a lot of people learn at this age is that your parents are people too yep so they're growing over the years they're growing and learning like what it is that you know how they want to support their child so yeah I've been very fortunate that my parents are uh supportive of my content creation journey and my dad as well, like he has, he does the same as my mom. Like he's always like hyping me up, and I'm really I'm really really appreciative of that. Um, in terms of other support, I also have to say like I'm very appreciative that like my friends are super supportive of my content. Like they're always hyping me up, and I'm like guys, like you really don't have to like. But yeah, like 
if I, you know, need a photographer to help me take like photos or something, like I know I can always like go to my friends or if like I want to make a video about something and I'm like, oh, like, can I run this idea by you? Like, I know that I can go to them and they'll like give me their honest opinion. But yeah, I just feel like, especially nowadays, because content creation has become a lot more normalized mm. or um, it's a, like a lot more people are like, pursuing this industry. Yeah. There's also a lot of support in terms of just like how to become successful in content creation and how to find your niche or develop an audience. So even like with creators that I don't know personally, like I find that there's also a lot of support on apps like TikTok or Instagram of other people who they literally make it their job to help other creators. Yeah. And I just think that's so cool. Like it's basically what you're doing, like creating a platform where other people can learn um, different skills and techniques and stuff. And, you know, there's support in so many ways from your family to some random person on the internet that you don't even know. So it's really great to find those different outlets because it's definitely something this is not as much as it seems like content creation is like an individual kind of pursuit there, you need support from other people. It's not something you can do entirely alone. Like, and you also need support from your audience. Uh, so that's definitely something I'm very fortunate that, you know, I have an audience that is receptive to my content and allows me to try different things because my content has definitely evolved over the years. I've done so many different types of videos, which I really enjoy pursuing, like not having to like stick to just like one thing. So, yeah. Beautifully said. And uh, I think the, the most common thing that we can experience as a content creator is support from our parents, but they have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> because, yeah, exactly, exactly. uh, yeah, I remember I had like my biggest brand deal ever, like a month and a half ago. And, you know, my mom heard and she was like, okay, like, oh my gosh, like, let's go out to dinner. And so, you know, she took me, my sister and I out to dinner and she was like, okay, so why are we here again? Like, can you explain? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not like, you know, she wants to celebrate you, but like, first of all, congratulations. That's so exciting whenever you like score a brand deal. And so that's super exciting. I'm so happy for you. Uh, but like, yeah, like you were saying, like sometimes parents, like they don't exactly know what's going on, but they're just happy that you're happy and that like you're pursuing something that you're passionate about. So you know, gotta yeah, give it yeah, to them. I agree. Cause you know, ultimately it's like that love. That's the most important thing, you know? So, you know, talking about brand work, Meili. So, you know, looking at some of the brand work you've done, I know Pink and Victoria's Secret ha has been a big one. So what has been your most memorable moments, you know, in all of the brand work you've done? Yes. Um, like you said, I would definitely say Victoria's Secret and Pink has been a huge part of my content creation journey and my journey as uh, I developed different brand partnerships because they weren't the first ones, but they were definitely like mm. more towards the beginning. I was saying that my first kind of big brand deal or um, like brand ambassadorship, I would more describe it is with Maybelline. I started with mm. them my freshman year. So basically it's kind of interesting. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but a lot of colleges will have these different, or it's not like with the college, but a lot of brands will have these college ambassador programs where call it's specifically targeted and meant for college students where they can apply an interview. And um, if you get the position, you are basically a brand ambassador for this brand. So for me, my freshman year, it was Maybelline. And you would target your audience more towards college students, specifically the people at your college. So what that looked like meant I would do different sampling giveaways. Like I would get a shipment of a bunch of lipsticks and I would go on to Bruin Walk, which is this like crowded area on UCLA's campus. And I would hand out these lipsticks and say like, 
oh, sign up for Maybelline's like emailing list and you can get this like free lipstick or something or sometimes just like hand it out for free so that people can learn about like they can try it and be like, oh, I love this and then buy it for themselves or whatever. So yeah, a lot of brands will have these different college ambassador programs. So I originally started with Maybelline. I was like, this is so fun. Like, I love, like, first of all, like I'd always been into makeup. So it was so cool, like getting to represent a company that I had grown up, like trying their makeup products. But something that I think one of the brands that really does this college ambassador program well mm. is Victoria's Secret Pink. And I w- had always like seen it growing up because it has been a program that's been like active for a while. So when I, I believe it was heading into my sophomore year, I applied for it and I did not think that I would get it whatsoever because I know that's very competitive and that a lot of students usually like do some sort of work with like their team Mm. or something like that. But I was really fortunate that I was able to land the position and that was what I would say really like took off and like inspired me to get more into Mm. content creation because I loved creating content for Victoria's Secret Pink. Like I'd grown up wearing their clothes, but also I found that the team of Victoria's Secret Pink, like people I was working with, like on their management were just super empowering and super supportive of everything. And I also had a co-rep who I worked with um, to like do different UCLA giveaways, or we would also host different events on campus. So whether that was like an Earth Day Mm. cleanup or like a women's empowerment campaign or something. So yeah, I can go on and on about how much I love that program because I did spend a lot of time with it. I spent two years with the program, which um, it's like they have like a two-year maximum. If you really enjoyed your first year and you'll still be a student the next year, you can reapply. So that's what I did. I really enjoyed it. I reapplied. So I was able to do it again my junior year, which I'm so fortunate about. And I had the same co-rep. So it was just such an amazing experience. And I can talk so highly about it because I am so fortunate that I had that. So from there, I was really, I, I really delved for like head first into the world of brand partnerships. And I started working with other brands like Kendra Scott and Princess Polly. And those were also just like such huge, like dream opportunities because I, first of all, would have never expected that. Like, if you asked me, like my younger self, like, would you ever expect that you'd be able to work with these brands? I'd be like, heck no. Like, I don't know if I could swear on here, but I'd be like, hell no. I did not believe that. Um, So yeah, just like having that opportunity. um, I'm so grateful because a lot of it is, I I mean, I attribute a lot of it to hard work, but it it also, you you get lucky. Mm. Like there's so many content creators out there. Like I wouldn't say that like as as hard as I work, like, there are so many people that work hard. So I'm just very fortunate that these things have happened. And yeah, like now that I like heading to my senior year, since my two-year contract with Victoria's Secret was over, I was able to focus more on Princess Polly and Kendra mm. Scott. And then just like do like one-off brand deals, like for my own, because those were college ambassador programs. So then I started doing like one-off brand deals where, you know, it's just like a classic, like you sign a contract and like maybe post a couple of videos or something. Yeah. But, yeah. I guess I hope that answers your question. Sorry. I kind of went on a tangent, but that's kind of my experience with working with brands. No, that was great. And it's funny you say Maybelline or mentioned that in the beginning. So I remember watching that video of yours and I think, what was your brand rep's name? I think her name was Waverly. It was like, I just remember like you, you and Waverly just like passing um, out Maybelline products, like on the, on the, like the sidewalk of somewhere. I'm guessing that's where you said it's like super crowded. Yes. Yeah. It's so interesting, you know, colleges having so many brand reps for these brands. Like, I don't know, what do you study at school? Just curious. Yeah. I study business economics. 
Oh, you do. Okay, so like the startup world is something that's kind of interesting to you, then. Definitely, yes, yes. Okay, yes. So then, you know, it's interesting because so many of these brands are trying to like you know fit that model of starting like really small, you know, so like taking over a campus and then letting that word of mouth, you know, take over that campus. And it's crazy because I think like maybe like six or eight months ago, there's like an app that skyrocketed to like number one in the app store. And their strategy was like high schools. So like, they're like, okay, if we can get like these singular high schools to talk about this app, then it's going to catch wildfire. It was from one of the founders of one of the really big apps. I can't remember. I'll follow up with you on it, but I, it's just, yeah, I kinda, I'm interested now. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of nerd out about kind of, kind of the strategy that some of these brands use. Um, so when you talk about your time, two years as a pink ambassador, so like what was like one specific memory that stood out to you during that time? Because two years is a, is a long time to be an ambassador and clearly you loved it from being with it for so long. Yes. Okay. I totally realized that was your original question. Like, oh, what was like one event that you're really proud of? And there I go on just rambling about like my whole four years. But <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> I'll say so one of my fondest memories and something I'm really proud of is what Pink does is at the end of every semester, they name like the top 10 performing schools so i think there are like mm, I exactly how many schools are in the pink ambassador program it's definitely over 100 or something it's like 150 to 200 i don't know it's something like that it's like they they're they have their presence on a lot of college school uh, campuses but they name their top 10 schools and mm. they fly them out or they like reward them in some way and just like celebrate their hard work so i am really fortunate and you know my co-op and I we had worked really hard that we were able to be honored twice and I am still like surprised like saying that because I know like so many of the college campuses work really hard but my favorite part was my spring of my junior year so my my last quarter being a pink campus rep we were able to go to Austin Texas so they like flew mm. us out on like an all-expense paid brand trip where we were able to spend three days in Austin, Texas with like the other pink campus rep top 10 schools and just explore the city, celebrate our hard work and even like have like different events where we'd like, you know, there was one day where we'd visit a pink store and have like a shopping spree. There's another day where we had like a picnic or like a yoga class. So they like had all these like built in fun things that we could do. But it was also a time where I got to finally meet these pink reps from all across the nation. And like, because we had, we'd known each other, but only like through the screen, because like these are girls from schools, like in the Midwest or like on yeah. the coast, but we were all able to finally meet up in one location in person. And it was just so, so special. And I made some of my best friends during that trip. And like, I'm still friend, like really, really good friends with like a lot of them to this day. And yeah, I would say that that was definitely like my proudest memory and also like one of the greatest experiences. Hey, you came out to Texas, my hood. Um, yeah, Austin is uh, Austin is an amazing place and I'm glad y'all got to check it out. And I, I think that the really cool thing about that mainly is being a pink ambassador is something that is like so like esoteric unless you're in it, you know, it's like so to understand like what it means and like what you do and like the work that comes with it, you know, an ambassador can only understand. And so to finally be able to like hang out with these people and meet them in person and talk about those things and kind of connect, uh, I think is really cool. And clearly you made some really good friends from it. So I'm not surprised. One thing I've noticed is you are extremely humble. You know, and, you know, kind of uh, what I, I get from that is that anytime you mention, you know, a time where you've gotten an opportunity, you always 
preface it with, you know, how grateful you are or how lucky you are or you know how fortunate you are to have received that. So that leads me to my next question is, you know, when you talk about, you know, opportunities you've gotten. So for example, getting to be one of the uh, only two uh, pink ambassadors, you know, at UCLA. So if you were to vouch for yourself, so why do you think they did choose you? Hmm. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for like saying that. Um, I really do appreciate that. Uh, but I would say, so as I like, you know, wrote my application and mm -hmm. was going to interviews, I want to be prepared. So I like how I was going to present myself and mm. especially having that experience with Maybelline and always being into digital marketing. I did have my YouTube channel that I started like midway through high school. I was able to speak on that experience. So mm. I think that like the pink team was able to see that I had experience, but not only that I had experience because I was only a freshman when I applied, like there's only so much experience you can have like with only like one Agreed. year of college. But I think that like what they saw is that I had a lot of drive and determination. Mm -hmm. I put my head to something like I will put like my energy towards it. Um, I would say like, I'm a very creative, but also passionate person. And I think I was able to like convey that to the interview the people who interviewed me and like through my mm. application because I recognize that like, first of all, I'm not a perfect person, but also second of all, like I don't know everything that I need to know who does, but something about me is that I am so ready and willing to learn. I'm so ready and willing to learn from what other people have to say, learn from my mistakes mm. and also like take opportunities and go full force with them. Like I am not, if an opportunity comes to me, I'm not going to let it pass up. That's something about me. Like, I'd like to think that I'm the most determined that like I can ever be because I always will take like a challenge. And even if it's something that intimidates me, I will, you know, go for it and give it my best shot. Because even if I mm. fail, at least I can fail trying. Beautifully said. And, you know, when, when I think about what lies on the other side of risk, you know, oftentimes it's, you know, like life's most beautiful moments for like each person. But oftentimes what can happen is the having the courage to take that risk or take that leap is something that can hold a lot of us back. And so where does that courage come from for you? And, you know, thinking about, you know, maybe possible content creators who are listening to this podcast who like have this idea in their head and they want to put it out there, but they're like, oh my gosh, like, what is that person that I went to high school with like six years ago going to think, you know, like, what is my uncle going to think? And, you know, where does that courage come from for you, Mainly, mm, Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I think it's really easy to think about like, what are other people going to think about you? And don't get me wrong. Like I have my moments too. I'm like, oh, what is that person from high school going to think or whatever? But at the end of the day, like, who the F cares about what they think? Because this is your life. And that's something that I did not initially have that mindset because, you know, I, I do obviously care about what other people think, but over time I've been able to grow into that mindset and realize like, this is my life. And at the end of the day, you, or at the end of your life, you don't want to look back and be like, Oh, I wish I had done that. Or I'd wish I had taken that risk or started that channel or started or made that video or something or worked with that brand or whatever it is, you know, even for non-content creators, you can look back and be like, oh, I wish I had dated that person or like went out there and like put myself out there or took that class or whatever it is, pursued something that you're really interested in. And I want to be able to look back at my life and not have regrets and know that even if I failed, it's okay because I tried. I don't know what exactly the saying is, but like shoot for the moon. And even if you've like 
don't land, you'll fall amongst the stars or something. If you don't originally achieve that goal that you originally tried for, at least I tried and I can know that I tried and you will be in a better place if you try than if you didn't try at all. So yeah, I guess like that's kind of the mindset I lead life with. Mm. And there are times when I will think about, I will have like a thought like, oh, what if that person is judging me? Or sometimes there are moments where people from like wherever, if it's someone I know or just some random internet hate commenter will come out and be like, say something that, you know, puts me down. There are times where I'm like, okay, like that did not feel good to hear or read. But again, I just have to remind myself like anyone can judge you or say whatever they want behind a screen but if you're gonna let that affect you then you know like I guess what I'm trying to say is if you let other people control your life then you're living your life for them and Mm. they 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 already have their own life to live for them so all you've got is your own life so make make of it what you want yeah I completely agree and I think a quote that really stands out to me um, that kind of summarizes a little bit of what you were talking about is I rather regret the things I did than the things I didn't. And, you know, that's something that really resonates with me in terms of like the filter to which I like sift through everything that I do in life. And when it comes to, you know, hate comments, uh, I'm at the point where if I see one or read one, it honestly just kind of makes me kind of sad and not sad because I don't like what they said towards me, but because like, it's so much a reflection of like what they're experiencing and what they're going through. And I know that's something you can resonate a lot with because like we want to have this positive impact on people and, you know, to see people, you know, struggling in that way that their unhealthy outlets, going back to kind of what we talked about before, is to then, you know, lash out against you know, like people on the internet. And so how has your process been in kind of dealing with like, negative feedback to your content online? Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's two. Well, first of all, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Like, I agree. It, it makes me sad, not because it, like myself, I feel sad about what they said, but more like because I can tell it's coming from like a place of hurt, like on their behalf. And like, obviously as someone who is empathetic, like I'm like, you know, obviously you have to be like in a dark place to even like think about like making comment like that towards someone else that you don't even know. But sorry, like remind me of your question. I have the shortest attention span, sorry. (laughs) No, you're good, Bailey. I was wanting to pick your brain a little bit on how you've dealt with negative feedback that you've received on kind of your content. Yes. So what I was going to say is I think there's two, two kind of buckets of negative feedback Mm -hmm. or not just negative, but um, one of them being constructive criticism. And then one of them just Mm. being outright like hate comment, like mean, unnecessary. Agreed. So in terms of like constructive criticism, I handle that very differently than like the other bucket because Mm. I recognize that I am, I don't know everything. I'm not perfect. And there's a lot for me to grow from. So when it comes to constructive criticism, I take it with open arms, open arms, open hands. And I listen to what they're saying. And I hopefully will use that to better my future content. Or, you know, if they say something like this word that you said is not helpful or whatever it is, like I make sure that I take that into consideration when I make my future content now. So that I totally accept. 
Now, the other hand, with like the hateful things that are unnecessary, mm. I think it's just one of those situations where you just have to realize, like, you know, I'm just going to let that slide off. And uh, obviously, that person is hurt or whatever, or they're just bored. And they can, anyone can so easily hide behind a screen and type whatever they want. So, especially. Now that I'm like a senior and UCLA, there's, I would say like UCLA has like a lot of different content creators, especially being like LA. There's so many people who are in the social media space. I've had people come up to me and be like, how do you like deal with like just random like trolls on the internet? And Mm. I would just encourage people to be like, you know, if you can like think about like how easy it is for you to comment on someone's video, like think about how easy it is like just like for some random internet troll to comment. So it's just realizing that like, these people like don't really have much else to do and i don't know like sometimes it's just like over time you just kind of get i don't know what the word is like you see it and it just becomes easier and easier to ignore yeah i completely agree and i think it's we can kind of build calluses to it so that we're then able to you know filter out what is helpful to us which is what you mentioned you know the constructive feedback um thank you for that distinction i think that's very helpful so one thing that I think really stands out about you, Maylee, is, you know, how empathetic you are. And does that ever feel like a lot? Oh, um, I guess like, well, when I consider the word empathy, I think like it's something that kind of, I guess you could say like comes naturally. So in that sense, I would say like is intuitive to me. So I wouldn't say it's something that I ever feel like is too much because if I feel like someone's emotions are weighing heavily on me, then I'll like pull back a little because I am intuitive in that way that like with my emotions, I recognize like the importance of self-care. And I recognize that like before you can help others, you need to make sure that you are like good yourself. Like that I'm saying, like before you like put on someone, you know, like in the airplane, help like yourself, like put on your own oxygen mask before putting on someone else's. Um, I recognize that like I cannot pour from an empty bucket so Mm. recognizing that like yes I am an empathetic person but I am also intuitive in the sense that like if I know that I can't be there to support someone then what good is it if I'm trying just like mindlessly you know so no honestly I wouldn't say it ever really feels overwhelming because I am able to like pull back before that point that it does but it's definitely something that you know ebbs and flows Yeah, that's so interesting. And uh, part of the reason I ask is because uh, I think I am extremely empathetic as well. Uh, I think like definitely am empath by like all means. Uh, But I've never heard it phrased in the way of your intuition is what helps you recognize like when you need to pull back. Because I think the empathetic part is something I love about myself, but that intuition maybe isn't, I don't, isn't as recognized internally with me so it's like sometimes I don't know when to pull back and by the time I realize it's like too late and then like you feel burnt out you know from you know that specific scenario so that's very interesting you gave me a a lot to think about so thank you yeah you're you're welcome I mean like it's definitely something you know doesn't it doesn't I guess when I look back at it that's like how I view it but it's something that takes time to develop I guess and it wasn't something that just straight out like oh I'm an empathetic person but I'm also like intuitive like I would definitely say like when I was younger I would just carry on like whatever someone wanted to tell me or I would always Mm. be there to listen which is great but 
I also realized like after facing my own struggles, like I need to make sure that I am good and that I'm practicing self-care and that, you know, I'm also like able to function myself like as an adult um, before you can help others. Yeah. And I think the plain analogy is the perfect one, you know, for that. So how do you think about the distinction between, you know, self-care and like being too self-indulgent? Because I think, you know, there's like a very fine line, you know, between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really great question. I think for everyone, it looks different, especially mm-hmm. like in the ways that you do practice self-care, because, you know, for some people, self-care looks like taking a bubble bath or something. And then for other people, self-care looks like going to play a round of soccer or something. Like everyone has different ways that they can let off steam or just like take time for themselves. Mm -hmm. And when it kind of crosses over into that self-indulgent area, you know, I can't say for certain like, oh, this is where the line is. Because like I said, for everyone, it looks different. But for me personally, how I'm able to identify that is recognizing when I am letting the self-care kind of become an excuse or mm. I'm letting it get in the way of my goals or my work. Because for me, at least, like self-care is something to supplement my life and to help me achieve my goals, not restrict me or like take away from that. So if I realize, mm. like, okay, I really like for me, self-care looks like you know, on the like day to day, making sure that I take time to go on a walk each day or that I call a friend or call my mom or something, or, you know, they're more self or there are more, I guess, like costly ways that you can also do self-care. Like for me personally, I really, really like getting massages. That is just like the most random fact about me, but like, my (laughs) like, you know, someone might think that their self, their version of self-care might be like, buying a purse or something or like a new piece of clothing, which that can be self-care, like, you know, treat yourself, especially like when you've been working really hard on a project or something. For me, I do not care about purses or anything like that. I'm like, I want a nice massage. So (laughs) I think for me, I recognize that like I'm crossing the line to self-indulgent is I'm like, you know, massages are expensive. And if I am doing them often like that, I would consider self-indulgent because I got to recognize that like, you know, they're expensive and I need to maintain my finances. But even for like the ones that you're not spending money on, like those ones on the day to day, like going on a walk or calling a friend or whatever. If I realize like, oh, I'm calling a friend for like so many hours that I'm not able to finish my homework or I'm not able to Mm. like fulfill like some other goal. Like, okay, my goal is to post this content or like post this video. If I realize like that, I'm getting away with my goals because I am like making excuses like, oh, well, I'm going to call a friend first because I need to do self-care. Like, yeah, you need to do self-care, but like it does, you don't need to spend two hours calling a friend. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I think like for each person, it's going to look different. And it really is about like recognizing what is putting you in the way of achieving what you need to and what you want to. Uh, but also it's not, it's something that you learn over time. Like, when I first came to college, there's definitely like an adjusting period where I'm like, Mm. you know, when you come to college, you are suddenly given so much freedom and so much more uh, say over how you spend your time. So it definitely takes time to learn like, okay, what is too much of this, too much of that, not enough of this, not enough of that. And, you know, you learn over time and still learning. So just an ongoing process, I'd say. 
Yeah, I completely agree that the free time can be liberating, but also very scary if, you know, not executed properly. So Meili, so, you know, we're almost at time and just a couple of questions left. And, you know, one is, is there any projects or anything you have up upcoming that you would love to talk about or mention? I always want to give, you know, um, people the space and to do that. Yeah, um, nothing, like no huge projects right now. I'm actually currently, um, we talked about this before the podcast started recording, but I am in the middle of my final term in college. So, yes. you know, on the way to graduation, which is so bittersweet, like as much as I'm excited to be done with school, I have really enjoyed my four years here and I'm really going to miss like the college experience. So just trying to enjoy that. But for right now, no exciting projects, but Hopefully, you know, maybe things might transpire. Definitely like keep up to date with my content because I will be the first to announce there. But yeah, thanks for letting me have the opportunity to speak with you. Like this has been so fun and like so great getting to know you as well. And so for the Creators Canvas, we I like to end off on a question. And, you know, Meili, uh, that is uh, what is something that you wish people knew about you? Ooh, that's a good question. I guess something that not a lot of people know about me is that you know, it's funny because we're talking on a podcast right now, but I'm a huge podcast listener. Ooh. I would say it, people always find this like absolutely crazy, but I would say mm. I listen to at least three podcasts a day. <clears throat> wow. Which I know sounds like a lot, but it's honestly probably more just because <laughs> I turn on podcasts like every single minute, like in the background, because I just love like always learning and not just learning, but like I also listen to like just just random podcasts about like people talking about their daily lives. I listen to things from like business podcasts to news podcasts to just random like fashion and beauty advice or whatever. But yeah, that's the thing about me. I swear if, if Spotify wrapped, like did more detail about podcasts, <laughs> I would be popping off with that because you know, Spotify wrapped, they like have so much that they like cover in terms of like your artists and like your songs. And they have like one tiny little thing about podcasts, but I'm like, <laughs> they had more on that, people would realize like how much I listen to podcasts. But you know, it's something that brings me a lot of joy, something that I like doing for self-care. So mm. I, I'm a podcast person over a music person, which I know is crazy. Like a lot of people are like, what? But I am who I am. <laughs> yes. And uh, it's funny because when I think about Spotify wrapped, if they ever expand it, I can imagine like mainly top 1%, top 1%, top 1%, top 1% oh, right. of like oh, all these podcasts. <laughs> no, for real. But um, also another like fun fact or something that people don't always know about me that's more on the funny side mm. is that I, I think this is also funny because we're talking about the Asian American experience, but you have, you have I, huge caps. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. Um, I just get it. I cannot handle spicy food for the life of me, mm. which is such a fault because like my, like my background, like so many people in my culture eat spicy food, but it is so severe to the point where I can't even eat like pepperoni on pizza, which a lot of people oh, like are like, what the heck? <laughs> but yeah, I've never been able to eat spicy food. I've tried so many times, cannot. So yeah, that, that's another fun fact about me. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, I think pepperoni is, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because it really does demonstrate like how serious yeah. Or like, you know what I mean? Cause like, I don't even think of pepperoni is like spicy food, which is funny. So that's, yeah. that's crazy. Definitely missing out on some of that Szechuan cuisine. Then, oh no, there's no way I could ever eat that. Like my brother is so into spicy food. He loves that, but mm, no, I can never. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, Maylee, thank you so much for coming on uh, the Creators Canvas, and it was great to have you. Of course, thank you so much for having me. It was so great getting to know you.